Jamie, welcome back to Wealth Chat for your annual review. All right. Thanks, Lubna. Pleasure to be here. Yes. I'm excited to have you here because it's been a whirlwind of a year. It's mm -hmm. flown by. A mm -hmm. lot has happened and uh, I look forward to discussing it with you. But before we get into that, please introduce yourself for those who don't know who you are. Oh, sure. Yeah. For those who don't know me, uh, I, my name is Jamie Holland. Uh, I'm the Senior Vice President and Business Unit Leader for our industry solutions business in Canada. Uh, and uh, that that uh, group includes uh, wealth management organization, insurance organization, and a capital markets organization. Sounds great. Mm -hmm. uh, well, you mentioned wealth, and mm -hmm. wealth had a tremendous year. There were a lot. There were a lot of moving pieces. A lot of yep. different things that were going on. The journey for digital transformation continued. Um, and we were discussing some of the trends that occurred in wealth, and there were several. We can sort of start with uh, sustainability, if you like, because that's been on the forefront of many people's minds, especially because of these, some of these announcements are coming sure. out. Sure. And, 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 you know, one of the things we saw, and we did our uh, Voice of the Advisor uh, survey in this year, coming out of that was, you know, it was a top theme, you know, top top six kind of item. Um, but there was a sense that people were chasing alpha as opposed to uh, sustainability, right? So there was a real interest in uh, in returns as opposed to sustainability from from portfolios. I think that 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 you know that might be true in the short term, but I think in the long term sustainability is something that uh, each advisor has to embrace. Uh, and you know uh, for example, I've, I've been watching this, uh, this, this show uh, on, on HBO, uh, which is done by Robert Downey Jr. about, uh, about, uh, his dream cars. <laughs> so it's kind of a gearhead show. Um, and, 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 uh, the focus of that show has been on how to convert some of these classic cars to EVs to protect the environment. Um, and so, you know, really sustainability has been about 50% of the topic. Um, and it's kind of a theme throughout. And I think that's going to resonate with the younger generation and the younger generation is going to end up inheriting the wealth of, of, uh, uh, and that wealth transfer is starting to happen. And so I think, uh, you know, it's important that advisors start thinking about sustainability as part of their offering to their clients. Um, and, you know, of course, all the firms are focused on ESG as a big part of their, um, so every corporate is, is got a big focus on ESG because I know, um, that sustainability is an important part of their, um, ability to operate in the long term as well. So, um, you know, I think it's, uh, it's, you know, it's not quite as hot a topic as I would have thought it would be, but it's, it's, I think it's pretty important for advisors to embrace. So definitely. And I feel within that topic, as you mentioned, example with Robert Downey Jr. transferring yeah, sure. his cars, there's a transformation that's occurring where it's uh, sort of you have to have some conversion into what the future is going to become. It can't always stay as it was in the past. And yeah. I feel that's a big part of it. And also, you know, we have to move forward. And uh, sustainability is a big part of how we plan to do that by ensuring that uh things are viable and that there is a future that's, you know, not completely destroyed because of course there are a lot of environmental concerns and sustainability mm. can definitely help with those. Yeah. And people want to make sure that where they're investing their money is in places that they feel uh, aligned with their principles and their values. Right. So um, that's, that's an important part of, of uh, how an advisor delivers value to their clients. So. Definitely. And there's been numerous stats that have come out about particularly the younger generation mm -hmm. valuing uh, sustainability, but also they they want to invest with their values. So, yes, they do still want a good return, but it's not purely return driven anymore. And we can sort of get a bit more into that when we speak about financial wellness. Sure. I did want to dive uh, into VOA because you mentioned it. Sure. Yes. So Voice of the Advisor, this was our third year conducting the survey. And we started conducting the survey because we wanted to hear from the front lines. Um, CG at CGI, we provide technology to advisors mm -hmm. and we wanted to hear their thoughts on how they're feeling, where they expect their business to grow. Um, and 
you know, just some of the challenges that they're facing and really get an idea of their daily lives and how we can potentially help or how we can help the firms make good decisions for mm -hmm. their advisors. Um, so what were your thoughts on the survey and yeah, no, I know. Uh, again, it was, it was it's, I think it's an excellent piece of work that the team does. And, and, uh, it, I think for our clients, it delivers, uh, a, a lot of value because it's something that we share, you know, and, and, uh, and spend a lot of time, uh, going through the detail of, of it with, uh, each of our clients. So, so super valuable from that perspective. Um, and I think it's all, 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 it's all, it's always important to do some, some uh, first-party research as well, right? So um, that that research, I think, has been um, <clears throat> really valuable input into the way in which we think about how our business is going to grow and where we need to invest our dollars as well. So, so I, I you know, I'm really pleased with the survey. And this year, I think we did. I think we had sixty percent U.S. Uh, and forty percent uh, Canadian advisors. Uh, input which i think is a nice nice shift for us because i think in the past years it's been more canadian focused um so we're getting a much broader view of of what advisors are seeing as the important things in their in their uh uh you know in, in their future and what they need to focus their energies on um and I think the themes were kind of aligned with what I would have expected to see as well. So not, not a shocker. Um, you know, it's, uh, customer experience. Uh, there was a focus on uh, differentiation, especially through financial wellness. Um, uh, focus on data. And I think that's a big one with AI, uh, with, you know, what's, what we see happening in the market. And so, uh, you know, data has become a really important uh, aspect of how advisors operate their business. Um, you know, with the with the concerns in the market around recession and um, and the sort of uh, you know you see it with all of the financial services firms or headcount reductions and cost containment. A focus on smart operations was another big uh, theme that came out of that. So. Um, that was a really important one. So, so, I mean, those were, those were four of the, of the key themes. There's a, there's a, there was a few other areas there, sustainability being one of them, um, that were, that were, uh, top of mind for, for the advisors. So really valuable piece of work, I think. And, uh, and certainly I encourage, uh, everyone to, to, to get, get their hands on, on the research, which we provide out to, to our clients. Definitely. And mm -hmm. so a, a bit more about VOA this year, mm -hmm. we did partner up with IWI, the Institute for Wealth. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it was great because sure. we got to go down to their conference in San Diego mm -hmm. and interact with advisors in the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, the popular belief in Canada, of course, is that we usually follow the U.S. We're always a couple of years behind. So it was great to get their insights and see what their expectations are and the fact that they were aligned with ours mm. uh, was good confirmation uh, that we are thinking uh, in the right trajectory. Um, but, you know, you spoke about uh, customer experience mm. and that was definitely something that was very big and it's something that was very prominent because they're, the way the businesses in the U.S. are set up, there's large RIAs uh, and so there's more independent networks and mm. uh customer service seems to be sort of at the pinnacle for how they differentiate themselves. And um, after the results were in, we also did a webinar with IWI mm. uh, in order to speak about some of these results. And we had some advisors on as well as uh, research professionals on a panel to discuss this. And for those that are interested, we'll drop a link uh, within the description. Mm. But it was a very eye-opening conversation for those that were in attendance because they got to see sort of what their counterparts in the U.S. were thinking and how well they're aligned to each other's uh, business models. Um, but uh, again, customer experience was the big one. So when you hear that customer experience is how they want to differentiate themselves, like it seems like for a while it was all about being very quick, being very fast and just getting funds invested and streamlining. Mm. But there seems to be a craving for this human element of actually taking yeah. a bit more time to getting to know the sure. client. 
Yeah, and, and and that was you know you know in the themes that sort of came across as a sort of idea of hyperpersonalization or hyper KYC, if you will. You know, really understanding your clients' needs and applying those needs in an appropriate way, uh, which you know which feeds back into financial wellness. It feeds into, as you say, having the right uh, um, you know the right decisioning process around how you invest the assets. Um, and and the big sort of thing, the big takeaway for us, um, and and probably the number one aspect of, of, of that customer experience issue for the advisors was really around technology. Do I have the right technology in order to support the client? And that included things like portals and uh, marketing tools, but as well, you know, the CRM and the ability to invest in a way that's appropriate and manage uh, manage the assets in a way that aligns with the client's goals. So, yeah, it was a really... Um, you know, it's a, it's an important piece of information for us as we're thinking about uh, where we invest our dollars. You know, in that advisor experience, in the tools that allow the advisor to connect directly to the client. Um, so, yeah, uh, pretty interesting stuff, and and uh, for sure, I think that that is the the big sort of shocker for us as well is that you know traditionally advisors have been less focused on technology as the number one driver. And this year it was really the number one driver for them is improving the technology they have. Um, so, so a big change. Yeah. It was, it was interesting because a lot of them felt that, uh, well, some of them felt that there was too much technology because during the pandemic, yep. there was an acceleration towards uh, technology. And so it, it almost, uh, felt like they were just constantly being bombarded by new technologies. And the issue there became change management and actually implementing best practices to mm. ensure that the message was conveyed correctly, one, and two, that the benefit to the end advisor was conveyed and that they understood why they were getting this technology and how it would help their business. Uh, sure. Yeah. yeah, and that's a tough one, right? I mean, each advisor runs their practice differently, and uh, and you, you know, there's no one size fits all. And you know, I think this is an important part of 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 our learnings from from the voice of the advisor, and you know, and what we've done uh, as well in terms of our strategy for for platforms. Um, we think about this concept of unified advisory. Um, and unified advisory doesn't mean one way of doing it. In fact, it, in quite the opposite. It means giving the tool set to the advisor so they can run their business their way. And whether they view themselves as an investment manager or a relationship manager or uh, a coach um, or or something else, you know, uh, providing the right tool set so they can operate the business effectively and efficiently and make money. Uh, while 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 supporting their clients in the way that they think is the best, so definitely. Well, since you've brought up a unified managed accounts, yeah. <laughs> UMA unified advisory, but or, yeah, sure. But unified managed accounts are definitely part of that. Yes, for sure. You know, and uh, you know, there's a focus on um, you know, this idea of a unified managed household, a unified managed advisory. To me, it's I, I think it was just as a unified account platform. Mm-hmm. And and what that means to me is that uh, you know uh, our clients can take advantage of tools to provide capabilities that allow them to run their businesses more efficiently and their way. So uh, you know the value of a unified managed account is really an efficiency play. You know, it's uh, uh, the, the platform does the does the heavy lifting of rebalancing and and managing uh, uh, the trading activities that are needed for raising cash and so on and so forth. Um, and leaves the advisor to spend time going and trying to gathering assets or meeting clients or spending time with their clients, right? So so that, that, that's a very valuable tool set. Um, the Unified Managed Household takes that up a level and essentially says, you know, that the household, um, you know, generally speaking, we have a single IPS uh, in that case, uh, why can't we implement uh, that across a number of unified managed accounts, uh, whether they be registered, non-registered, uh, whether it be myself or my spouse, you know, and and uh, and put the assets in the most tax-advantaged way into the, that platform so that so that they can provide the best service in a way that's super efficient. 
So that's you know, that's something that we spend a lot of time building, and and certainly it's available. You know uh, how clients use it though is different, and and each advisory practice uses it differently as well, which is okay. I mean, it's really about providing them flexibility and the ability to do things. Um, I think that's what we heard from the voice of advisor as well, which is we want flexibility. We want to be able to support our clients. Uh, we know the world is changing. And, and, uh, and we're going to need the technology to support, uh, our businesses as, as, as the world, uh, adjusts. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, unified managed, uh, householding hmm. has been sort of the pinnacle for certain advisory teams. It's something that they've been trying to achieve for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And based on your answer, it seems like unified managed accounts is, the way to to get there. Well, I think it's the only way to get there. I mean, otherwise you're doing it as a reporting function, and you're you're having to cobble together some spreadsheets and try and figure out how to how to provide that uh, that cap- capability. And it's you know it's it's uh, labor intensive, so it's it can only be available for the for the for the most high, high net worth clients because you really can't afford to do it for your average client. Um, and that's the value of a unified managed household platform. It allows you to do that in an efficient way. Um, and it, and, and in order to do that, you need to have UMAs. And you have, you need to have a unified managed account, uh, underpinning, uh, to do it. So. Yeah. That, that sounds rational. Oh, I, I would say, but, mm-hmm. uh, of course, everyone has their own opinions and prefers to do things in a certain manner. Um, you, as we were speaking, and another area that's important to advisors, but also I would say clients on the institutional sides mm. is smart operations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how do I do things efficiently? And more importantly, given the volatile times that uh, we're in, how do we do it cost effectively? Yeah, for sure. I, I think this is, you know, you know, this is, uh, and it came out in this, in the voice of the advisor survey as well, but it comes out in all of our conversations with all of our clients, which is, Hey, we need to reduce our operating cost. Um, and it's especially true for asset managers. Asset managers today are being squeezed on their fees. Um, and so they need to find a way to, uh, to, um, reduce the operating cost of, of their business. And so we've, we've, uh, you know, we've, we've responded to that and, uh, and, uh, launched a business process outsourcing business to support our clients. Um, uh, and, and so, uh, and that's been, a, that's, we've had a big year for that and it's grown uh, dramatically over the last 12 months. Um, and so we've had great success and, you know, that great success is a indication of what the market sees, which is hey, we need to find a way to operate more efficiently and more effectively and reduce costs. So smart operations, that's part of what we've done. I would say the other big aspect and what I think everyone's investigating and, and, and most are starting to think about how to implement is AI. So how do we use a generative AI model to uh, improve the inflow of documentation uh, into the operations center. How do we use it as a way to uh, manage straight through processing so take it out of people's hands and, and, and make it more straight through um, and reduce the number of people that are involved in, in, in operating the back office. So that is um, that's something I think all of our clients are investigating. We're certainly uh, implementing for several clients and, and for ourselves as well, of course. Um, and that ties in with, you know, uh, uh, long uh, focus and experience in data, in data science, and then, of course, in, in workflow as well. So uh, having having the ability to deliver on those things is important. So, yeah, I think smart operations is um, it's a big part of how we're, uh, we're helping our clients uh, succeed in this market. Um, this is expanding, of course, into other areas for us now, fund accounting uh, being one of them, um, uh, where we're helping our clients really operate their, their middle office activities in a more efficient way using AI um, and data. So, yeah, a really exciting area for us and, uh, you know, big growth area for us for the last 12 months, and I expect it will be more so in the next 12 months. So. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I mean, AI has... 
I would say, been the winner of 2023. It, it felt like it came out of nowhere. It was with mm. the launch of ChatGPT uh, in 2022, uh, December of 2022. Uh, and then it just hit the ground running. And now everywhere you go, all anyone wants to speak about is AI, yeah. which uh, goes to show that I feel part of it is for the first time, it was very democratized and anyone can go on and use it and see how easy and simple it was. And it created a lot of excitement where it's like, oh, like anything's possible. Like I just have to type things in and it'll give me whatever I want. Yeah, sure. So it's it's been it's been a really interesting thing, thing to see rise. Um, obviously, we do need to proceed with caution with that as well, as with well, everything. The responsible use of AI is the important uh, thing here. And, and you know, yes, you can go on and, and use a publicly available uh, you know, ChatGPT or, mm-hmm. or, or other large language model, but the risk you have there, of course, is if you release your data into that model, then that data is available to everyone around the world. Same thing with your um, same thing with your uh, best business practices. So doing it in a way that's secure, that's uh, that's sort of ring fenced, is an important part of of uh, of how to implement AI effectively. And certainly something that we're spending a lot of time on, which is how do we deliver that responsible use of AI. Mm-hmm. Uh, CGI is investing over a billion dollars in this area uh, over the next three years, and that was announced publicly, I think, about a month ago. So, um, a big, big time investment. Uh, and of course, we have our own AI platforms, but we also are partners with all the major players in this space. Um, and as it's, it's, uh, as I said, it's a huge growth area. I think it's going to be a, um, a big win for our clients as they look at ways to reduce their operating costs so that they can deliver more value to their clients. Definitely. And mm-hmm. you mentioned uh, data earlier, but mm-hmm. that is vital for AI to work properly. So you have to make sure you're feeding it the correct information. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's been really interesting is that we've seen this shift towards what's called active data mm. where data is not just sitting there anymore and going stale it's actively being used and updated to ensure that the most accurate and correct results are being presented mm. um, and so that would be true with anything and of course at cgi we have a lot of data and last year when you were here we spoke um, about insurance and about our function in the Canadian auto industry when it mm. comes to insurance. Mm. Um, and just uh, a few weeks ago, I saw a very interesting demo for an app called My Auto Plus. Sure, yeah. Uh, it looked like it was full of possibilities, so please yeah. tell us about it. Sure, yeah. And uh, we've been providing uh, insurance information services to the, uh, to the, to the industry uh, for almost 40 years. So, so it's not new. It's not a new, new capability. And, uh, and, you know, the big part of that is providing data for the purposes of underwriting and, and claims management, uh, typically. Um, and that's, you know, data on, on individuals, data on vehicles. Um, and so that, that's an important, uh, those are important pieces of information, allowing uh, an insurer to provide the right uh, insurance policy, pricing, so on and so forth to their clients, and do it in a way that's, uh, that manages the risk appropriately. So it's been it's been an important business for us. Part of our mandate um, uh, in providing that data has always been uh, to to provide the same data to consumers. So if consumers want to know, um, <clears throat> you know. What's, what, what, what information is, a, is publicly available about them? Uh, they should have access to that information. It's certainly uh, an important part of what we do. And so, uh, it's been, it's been, you know, in the past, it's been a sort of call center and mail based access point. So it takes days for someone to get uh, access to their information. Um, so what we've done recently is we've launched a product called Myro Plus. It's an app. Uh, that's available on, in the App Store and, and the Android, uh, uh, or Google Store as well. And, um, and you download that app on your phone and it gives you access to your, uh, insurance data, uh, uh, in real time. So you always have the most up to date information. I think that's going to be a, a fantastic win for consumers. 
And a fantastic win for, for insurers as well, as we can use that tool to update information and make sure the information's correct uh, about the insured uh, all the time. So, and part of what we're trying to do there is is provide the um, insured with a uh, with a score that gives them a sense of what things do, could they do or should they do to change the pricing for them that, that they pay for insurance. Um, so it's a great tool for consumers to become uh, um, you know uh, become the master of their of their pricing and and their relationship with their insurer as well. So, so you know, we think it's a great win for 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 the market. And of course, we have all kinds of opportunity to add on additional services uh, using that app. And, and we're certainly uh, uh, investigating, looking at all of those dis- different options now. So, awesome, awesome new tool. And uh, yeah, as you say, it's uh, it's it's pretty slick uh, how it works. So. Uh, very proud of what the team has done to launch that and get that into the into the public domain. Yeah, it, it's very simple mm-hmm. to use to navigate. Everything's uh, right there, and the fact that consumers now will have readily available access to their data and sort of as you mentioned, have information on how they can potentially change their rate. So what can they do to uh, get a lower rate? Uh, mm-hmm. I feel that transparency is fantastic and much needed because yeah. so often with insurance, it feels like it just goes to this black box and then you don't see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this definitely changes that. So Yeah, it's fantastic. We're, we're very excited about it. And and as you say, I think it'll be a, an important uh, step forward in, in, in how uh, you know, people manage their insurance. So, yeah, that, and we're expecting a pretty big uptake on, on it as well. As uh, so, so very exciting uh, for us, and and I think for the industry as a whole. Uh, I completely agree. And you know, we were speaking about wealth trends, but this sort of lends to the hyper personalization piece because. Now, insurers can, because they'll have more data on their consumer, and the consumer will, of course, consent to sharing it, uh, they can actually get better service. They can get service that they need and sure. provide it to them sort of on a just-in-time basis uh, Absolutely. without having to run through all the usual uh, hoops. Yeah. yeah, and they can add more services to... to uh to the way in which they operate. One, one example is we, we're partnering with a uh, security organization that has a specialized uh, tool to uh, secure your cars from uh, sort of the fob attack, you know, mm-hmm. where the where the where they scan for your fob and then and then take your car, and that's a major issue in the industry. Um, you know, this tool will, will prevent that from happening, which is great. But you have to be able to prove that to an insurer to make it valuable. Um, and so that's, a, you know, how do you, how do you do that? And the app is a great way of us connecting the dots between that provider of the, of the uh, security device and the insurer. So. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that, that sounds great. And mm-hmm. I mean, those fob attacks are scary because I heard that they can even like penetrate through walls. So even if you have your keys in your house, exactly. they, they can still scan for it. That's right. Yeah. And so what this device does is it essentially deactivates your key fob uh, while it's not in use. Oh. So, so that it can't be scanned. Um, and so it's a fantastic device, a fantastic, uh, innovation for the industry as a whole. Um, and uh, and uh, you know CGI is has partnered with uh, with this firm uh, to to uh, deliver that to to the market. Yeah, that that's amazing mm-hmm. news. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, as we continue on speaking about client experience and hyper personalization, um, another big part of this, and and you've sort of alluded to it with uh, how information used to be delivered mm-hmm. uh, versus how it's delivered now. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at the wealth management industry, the recurring theme has been that the industry no longer is dictating the pace at which information is released or how it's released. You have players outside. So, you know, the obviously the most popular ones are Amazon, Google, Netflix, where they anticipate your needs. And then they're like, hey, I think this is what you're going to like. I think this is what you're going to want. Mm-hmm. Hey, it looks mm-hmm. like you're running out of this. Yeah. Um, and so... You know, we were speaking about the survey and yeah. uh, about what advisors are thinking, and and it's all along these lines of anticipating client needs and 
it falls in really well with a uh, Gen AI. Yeah, it, well, it definitely was. It was the uh, you know, number two theme that we pulled out of the of the surveys, um, which is this idea, as you said, of active data. Um, and what does that mean? You know, it's not just using data to reduce the operating costs in smart operations, although that's part of it. It's using uh, data and analytics about the customer to provide value uh, at the right point in time. Um, so, and I think AI is a, is will be an important part of that. I don't think we've really seen how AI can be used in the wealth management industry to to, to manage that yet, but. We definitely, as you say, we see it in Amazon, we see it in Netflix and others. Um, uh, we see it in, in, you know, our Spotify accounts or Apple Music as well, right? Um, uh, our preferences are tracked and we're given, uh, you know, we're, we're presented with ideas and options. You know, it does, uh, it does lead to some concern around bias. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there's certainly, uh, again, the responsible use of AI has to be part of the way we think about, um, about, uh, uh using the tool set. So, but, but for sure, active data is the core of that. Having the ability to analyze customer behavior is at the core of how you how you make those decisions. Yeah. Uh, definitely. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, it, it greatly attributes to that client experience again, because now you're giving the client things that are meaningful to them at a certain particular point in their life. Yeah. Like I had Dan Richards on, on the last episode, and he spoke about out-of-pattern behaviors and using AI for that. So if you have a client that's, let's say, checking in their portal, you know, before it was maybe once a month and now it's on a daily basis, there there might be cause for concern there. And that's perhaps a trigger that's get pulled to the IA. Yeah, hey, maybe, you should go maybe, check in maybe on them. They're, uh, maybe they're getting ready to move to a different advisor or, or some other issue that's happening in their lives. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that, 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 that kind of behavioral... Uh, information is is highly valuable or um yeah i think uh you know there there's there's lots of examples of um pieces of data that could be tracked and provide uh provide advisors some insight into what what's happening with their with their clients um and I, as i said i don't think uh the wealth management industry has done a good job yet of of using that data in, a, in an appropriate way and is certainly becoming part of what uh, what uh, is top of mind for advisors. Yeah, well, there were uh, there was a recent survey released from Datos recently uh, that essentially they they did survey the wealth management landscape in Canada mm-hmm. and they found that more than half um, are investing quite heavily within AI because they're seeing it as the future because. It's, you know, it's it's just not sustainable again for them to ignore this and say we're going to sit out. Um, especially if we look at some of the bigger firms, they they do see the the use for it when it comes to being more effective, cutting costs, and obviously providing a better level of service for for their clients. Um, another area of the wealth trends, and also an area that requires a fair bit of data is financial wellness Mm. and so one of the trends is and you mentioned earlier the um the next generation that's inheriting wealth but one of the other sides to that is uh females tend to outlive their male counterparts so the biggest cohort of of that's going to receive this next um sort of transfer wealth will be will be the woman um yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, and I think the stats show that that, that uh, more wealth is with women now than than with men, uh, mm-hmm. just because of that exact reason, right? Uh, so, and I'm not sure that the advisory practices have gotten their heads around what that means yet, uh, and some have, and I think they've been very effective, um, um, because I think the the men had been focused on returns. Whereas the women are more focused on, uh, goals and, and, uh, specific actions. You know, am I okay? Right. Um, so, 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 uh, a different, uh, you know, a different way of managing, uh, your practice is important. And, and that came through in the survey as well. So we heard that from the advisors that they saw that as a, as a, as an important thing. We see that as a big theme, uh, 
uh, as it relates to financial wellness. And and you know, financial wellness for us is something that we've been investing in heavily. Um, we launched our our product uh, uh, last year, or this 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 year past, and uh, we'll be launching our our uh, next generation of that in March uh, of of twenty twenty four. So, very excited about that. And the focus there is really on democratizing uh, the ability to have a financial plan. Uh, and also thinking about the financial plan from a role-based perspective. Uh, so that, that for us has been, uh, has been the focus. And, and right now, I think the financial plans are there for the wealthy. Uh, they're not there for the mass affluent market. Um, and so, and, and they, and they tend to be a bit stale. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of uh, in terms of the process, so you get your financial plan done. It's 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 like a book on your desk and collects dust, and no one looks at it ever again. So, um, making that more active, making the data aspects of that in a, uh, a part of part of uh, the day to day operation for an advisory practice, that's really what we see uh, as the big change in financial wellness. And you know, as you say, you know, you're talking about. Uh, the transfer of wealth as a great example of that, tracking that behavior and making sure you're providing value to those clients, um, uh, you know, means that you're going to have to have a more focused sort of wellness coach, financial coach kind of attitude, uh, uh, as you, as you, as you continue to, to drive your practice forward. And that's what we're hearing from the advisors as, as, as their focus. They're going to differentiate using tools like uh, financial plans and financial wellness. They do it today, but they think they can do it more effectively. And so we're trying to respond to that with, with the right technology. Definitely. Um, mm. And to your point, this is, I would say, one of the biggest areas because, uh, and you and you mentioned this, but no one really cares for that 50-page financial plan anymore. Like, I'm sure there's some people out there who still do, but the fact that it takes so long to build one out uh, and then it's not, again, it's not active. Like it gets printed and then it sits yeah. somewhere and it collects dust. I think no one's is, is a strong word. I mean, I think there are, there are, you know, there are good reasons to have that kind of a financial plan available. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, for some clients, but I think it's a small group. It's not the vast majority of clients. For the vast majority of clients, it's a more active tool set is more appropriate. Maybe it's not quite as comprehensive uh, as the traditional financial plan, but it has a it has a connection directly to uh, to the uh, investment tooling, right? So uh, your your asset servicing is is directly tied into the financial wellness and the plan. That uh, that's where real value happens, I think, in in, in that space. So being able to look at uh, you know. Uh, where you are relative to your plan on a monthly basis with real data um, and across a bunch of different uh, areas, not just your you know, not just your investment wealth, but also your debt, your real estate, your other assets. And having that view is, uh, I think, something that, that's really important. And um, you know, with open finance, uh, with the right tools uh, and uh, a more simplified way of managing the financial wellness so that you know, it can be run by your advisor as opposed to having to bring in a specialist. Um, that That is, uh, you know, to me, that's kind of the, the magic that we're trying to see happen in the market. And I think that's what people want. So Definitely. And again, I feel that, and, and you brought this up, but the idea of scalability, Mm-hmm. Where it's yes, traditionally, it, it took a lot of man hours and manpower in order to generate these financial plans, mm. um, and I feel also now people have different lifestyles where it, it's not really the prescription of you retire at sixty five and then mm-hmm. you do your drawdowns and you know maybe you go on vacations and you retire and you know you're happy now people tend to work for longer perhaps it might be part time maybe they're contracting uh 
And so for all these changes, you do need a more dynamic plan, some where you can change things more easily. You can move pieces around. You yeah. can ha- look at different scenarios. Plans change. I, I think that's right. I mean, you know, I think that for all of us, uh, you know, what we thought was our plan when we were 30 is not what our plan really is when we're 55 or 60. And, you know, I can, I can tell you that from experience. Um, and, and your desire to, 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 you know, go sit on a beach might change, <laughs> right? So maybe you want to do it uh, sometimes, but not all the time. So, so uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that a dynamic plan is an important part of the way you operate your business and uh, for an advisory practice and for clients. You know, it's ultimately that's why it's so important is the clients are expecting that. Something more dynamic. And you mentioned, you know, Collecting your paycheck, you know, we've, we've been focusing on this idea of decumulating assets. I don't think very many firms have done an effective job of providing the right tools for that. Um, and that's something that we're really focused on, which is, you know, <clears throat> how do you take your many sources of income and in a tax advantage way, uh, make decisions about, about, uh, including part-time work, um, or other work that you might be doing, um, and make the, make the right tax advantage decision about how to decumulate, uh, those assets and take money out. So, um, that's a, that's a big part of what we're delivering, uh, as part of our financial wellness platform. Uh, and I think it's a, it's a, it's a gap in the industry as well. So excited about that. Definitely. I mean, all the focus, it seems, has been on the accumulation phase, mm. not so much on the decumulation and it, as more people retire and we have the baby boomers, which is a, a large cohort of individuals, uh, they're definitely going to need those services. For sure. Um, so decumulation is a big part. The other big part of, of all this is tracking and the fact that uh, now there's so many different tools out there as well. But you need to be able to go in and say, hey, I want to know where I am today. Like, how do I look? Mm. And before, it was very difficult to do that. You would have to maybe call your advisor and have them run a report for you. But now with uh, more lighter tools that are available uh, to uh, the masses, they can like very easily go create like a little mini plan. It might be for, I don't know, I want to buy a new car. You know, Mm. how am I on track to get this? Uh, uh, How does my portfolio look? Yeah, I think there's been a lot to talk about doing this and, and delivering it, but I'm not sure a lot of firms have done it, you know, effectively, right? So I think there's still a gap in the market there. Um, and certainly, you know, that's part of what we're trying to, trying to, to solve for. Um, uh, and, and so there's a couple of aspects of that. One is the portal and access for the client to get into that data. The other side of that is, and I think that's one of the things, by the way, we heard from the advisors as a important part of the customer experience is providing that right portal. Um, the other side of that is having that financial plan. Like, what are my goals? Um, what's the timeline for those goals? And then how am I doing against those goals is the question you're asking. Um, now, I don't think there's a lot of places where you can go and look at that and say, am I on track? Um, not right now. So, so that's something that, 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 uh, I think the industry is embracing now and, and, and seeing as important and wants to deliver. Um, but it's still fairly traditional performance reporting that clients are, are receiving. Um, and very few of the clients, I think, are getting goal-based reports at this point. So, and don't have access to a portal with that. So that's, a. Uh, it's a gap that needs to be filled for sure because it's certainly something uh, consumers want. Um, and it's, it's uh, what we heard from the voice of the advisor, the advisors want to provide it as well. And, um, you know, they're looking for the firms that they work with, whether that be in the USNRA works with the TAMP or whether that be, a, a, you know, a, a, an advisor who's attached to a, to a major firm like a bank. Um, they're looking for the firm to provide those tools. And, uh, and and give them access to that information for their clients. Uh, definitely. And again, it it seems to be that the shift is going towards giving more control to clients over over their assets. And also, I suppose, just having a lot more transparency because for the longest time, like, you know, portals were 
sort of a big invention and it was a big change because now clients could suddenly go in themselves and see what their accounts look like without having to speak to an advisor and having them send something over. Um, and people have become more accustomed to, to, to have being transparency into their assets. And I, I don't believe that's a bad thing. You know, I mean, our new insurance app, My Auto Plus, will give them transparency to insurance. Mm. There's all these portals that will give them transparency into their assets. Mm. Uh, and this just allows them to be more engaged, in my opinion, because they definitely feel like they're a part of the process now versus just like maybe having a semi-annual or annual meeting with their yeah. advisor. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think that transparency is very important. And I think it is about transparency as opposed to control, uh, you know, because I think, uh, uh, you know, for the vast majority of people, they don't feel... Uh, that they have the expertise to manage their wealth in an effective way, and that's why they need an advisor. You know, that's mm -hmm. why they need someone to help them coach their way through it. Um, uh, but definitely, they, they want to have a view of it, and they want transparency into what's happening. And so, uh, and that's not to say that they're going to check the, check the returns on each asset every every day or anything like that. It's just more give me a view of 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 my my. Uh, you know, my, my situation relative to my goals. Um, again, I think that's what's missing is, you know, we haven't, uh, aligned the goals and the financial plan to the actual implementation of that plan. Um, and, and, and we don't track it that way right now. That's not what the industry is doing. And I think that's where we want to take it. And I think that's, that's where it should be going as well. So, um, so we're excited about that. I think this is a, you know, this is a big win for, uh, advisors and clients and, and for the firm as well, because, um, you know, really it's, uh, it's, it's about, uh, you know, delivering super value to your end client, right? So definitely. And mm -hmm. so with CGI, we're of course helping firms with, uh, with technology mm -hmm. and providing IPs. But we also have a consulting side. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned a lot of gaps that the industry has. Um, and we have a management consulting team uh, who goes in and who yeah. does these analyses to figure out where your gaps lie and how they can help you become more efficient. Uh, can you speak a bit about uh, the management consulting team and some of their sure. activities for the yeah, year? Yeah, I know. I think I think uh, in the in the uh, wealth management and insurance domains, so we've we've invested heavily in having. Um, you know, the expertise we require, and I think it started out as expertise so that we can make the right decisions about what we were building mm -hmm. and morphed over time into, hey, we can help our clients think differently about how they're going to operate, uh, update and review their target operating model, think about, you know, how they're going to deliver that, that financial plan to a client differently. Um, <clears throat> and do that in, in the context of their situation. Um, so, so, and we launched that consulting business a few years ago. So it's gotten quite large now. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a very successful business. And I think, uh, th there's a great team there that's prepared to help our clients think differently about how they operate their businesses. Um, think about launching additional, uh, businesses and practices. And then how do you operate your business effectively and efficiently as well? So, so, uh, yeah, a great team there and, uh, we're ready to help. So don't mm. hesitate to call us. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, we spoke about our VOA survey, but we also have a VOC survey, which is voice of the client. Mm -hmm. Can you speak about that? Sure. I mean, voice of the client is an important part of CGI's overall, uh, view into what's happening with, with our clients around the world and, and, and drives the sort of main themes of what we see in our industry. Um, and this goes to typically C-level executives, uh, whether they be on the IT side, CIOs, or on the business side, so group heads, CEOs of businesses. And they're conducted in person, so we actually do in-person interviews, uh, collect a, a great deal of data, and then share that data um, back to all of our clients. This year we did 2,000, uh, over 2,000 interviews, so a pretty significant number of interviews around the world, and uh, 
you know, um, uh, many of those were in wealth and asset management uh, and financial services. I think about 20% of it. Um, so a big number of, you know, it's hundreds um, <clears throat> of clients. And, uh, you know, the, the, the data that comes out of that is, uh, you know, it really uh, gives us a, a, a good view of where the spend is going to be in our industry, which is great for us. But also it allows uh, uh, all of our clients to validate their views of what's going on as well. So uh, we're taking in the data, but then we're sharing it back and they get a view of what other clients in their industry are doing and, and focus on. Um, and, uh, and, and we provide that back with a set of, uh, themes that are the sort of key themes that are driving, uh, what's happening. And, you know, they're, they're not unlike the themes that we see in the voice of the advisor. There are, obviously there's a few different differences, uh, big focus on cybersecurity. Uh, so cybersecurity, uh, number one, uh, uh, risk and, and, and concern for, executives around the world. Um, uh, but customer experience is a close follower to that. Um, use of data and uh, digital assets uh, to provide value to their clients is, is a close, uh, close uh, number three in that list as well. So some, some uh, very interesting parallels from what the advisor is seeing and what uh, our executive clients or the CIOs and the CEOs of the firms are seeing as well. Yeah, so, it sounds great. And cybersecurity, that's definitely a big one. Um, I was at a conference uh, earlier in the year, and I believe they said that it like tripled in, in, in value. So it was like, in, it went from like, uh, I think it was like in the hundred of millions and during the pandemic, it tripled and went into like the billions of dollars. And uh, it was the fastest growing industry essentially which was crazy yeah. Yeah. is that it's cybersecurity. but sure enough there's you have all these phishing attempts and fraudulent uh different fraudulent activities um and, and it's terrible but there definitely needs to be and, a way to tackle it ransom attacks and so on and so forth yeah, yeah. you know i think this is a really top concern for our clients and um we need to be vigilant about how we deliver our services a lot of our services are software as a service we have client data we have to make sure that we're protecting that data effectively. And so for us, uh, security is number one. That's probably the number one thing we think about um, when we're delivering our services to our clients. Uh, and, and uh, you know, of course, we have to back that up with the right audit results and so on and so forth. I think for all of our clients, um, uh, you know, uh, Cybersecurity has become a core part of their job, you know. So, and you wouldn't have thought that of a CEO five years ago, but they have to think about it on a, on a daily basis and make sure that they're investing appropriately in order to protect their businesses. Um, and yeah, it's it's a it's a big risk. And it's certainly something that we all have to track. So, uh, it can be managed though, and uh, and I think we uh, we and uh, and many of our clients are effectively managing it. Um, uh, but it changes every day, so we have to change with it and evolve with it on a daily basis. And I think that's why the industry is growing so fast because you know uh, every time you figure out a way to stop a stop an, an attack the attackers come up with a new a new approach right so yeah they're mm -hmm. definitely very innovative i will mm -hmm. say that about mm -hmm. that industry mm -hmm. uh, you also mentioned digital assets mm -hmm. yes yeah. so i suppose let's start with what are your thoughts on on digital assets and where you see this headed so you're thinking NFTs kind of? Uh, yeah, or yeah. we can do NFTs. It could yeah. be uh, coins. It, sure. it can also, because I when I think about digital assets, I even think about IDs now. So, because yeah. yeah. digital ID is becoming a very big thing. And we think, when we think about what yeah, we just Yeah, I wasn't thinking about, of it in that context, but I mean, yeah. certainly I talked to it. I mean, I, I, you know, it's, uh, you know, this, uh, the 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 world of payments and financials are democratized is democratizing for sure mm -hmm. and and uh, so we're going to see that happen over time I'm not sure how fast it's going to happen and certainly governments are getting involved to make sure it happens in a way that's effective and and uh, and of course we saw a lot of a lot of fraud a lot of uh, issues with some of the exchanges 
Um, and, uh, you know, that happens, I think, at the beginning phases of, of a change. Um, but I see this as something that's going to take hold and be part of how we operate our businesses. I think for advisors, they saw providing access to digital assets, to coins and to and, uh, other NFTs is an important part of how they operate their business. And certainly for many of our clients, they, uh, for their clients, I should say, they will hold digital assets and they'll want to have a march to market on that digital asset and have a view of uh, the value of it in their holdings. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a, um, you know, a, a changing part of our business. I wouldn't say it's the biggest part of our business right now. It's, 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 but, uh, definitely, uh, you know, you see the impact. If you look at it 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, it's going to have a big impact on the way we operate. Definitely, mm-hmm. especially considering that you have uh, central banks now that are getting in the digital asset space, sure. right? So, I mean, who cares cash anymore? Yeah, uh, not very many people, right? So it, it's it's uh, you know, why is the fiat currency so important, uh, right? In that con- uh, uh, context, then, um, and why not a global currency? Um, so, so it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting challenge. Um, and you know, the industry is, uh, the payment industry has always had a challenge with moving money between countries. Um, so, um, it's a, it's a, it's a, some, these coins, the NFTs have, have the ability to cross borders in a way that other assets cannot. So, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. the idea of a global currency is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it's very true the fact that these uh, cryptocurrencies have come in and they have transcended borders, and mm-hmm. a lot of the friction that existed previously is no longer there because of them. And there's also been lowering of a lot of different transactional fees. Um, when when I think about like like a bit there's there were some big coins um, that people were using for a while to to get past some of like. Um, the, the union fees whenever like you transfer money from one nation to another. Mm. Uh, mm. And so in order to do away with those percentage points, they're like, we're just going to sure. use uh, crypto. And, and as it becomes easy to do, why, why wouldn't you, um, uh, you know, why wouldn't you bypass those fees? Yeah. Right? And why pay them if you don't have to? So I, I think that's, uh, you know, that's part of what, um, you know, most people do is, uh, they think about, you know, how do, how do I, how do I operate more effectively and efficiently? So, and if it's a more efficient way to move money, then, you know, eventually it's going to become, uh, probably a core part of how we operate. Definitely. Uh, so I don't uh, have a, I don't have a crystal ball on this one though. So you know, I can't say I know exactly how it's going to play out. I just know it's going to be different for sure. Um, and, you know, there is a sort of you know, web 3.0 and virtual world kind of uh, thing happening out there. And, and uh, how that's going to play out, I don't think any of us really know. But we know it's going to, it's going to, there's going to be change for sure. Well, web 3 is really fascinating, especially when you add, bring up things like virtual worlds, so like you have the metaverse. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, there's, there's been a lot of, um, I've heard chatter and interest, I suppose, in like even setting up like virtual like bank branches, for instance. Sure. So you know, we we think about what happened during I, the I've, pandemic, I've for heard instance. Of people I know buying you know virtual Gucci shoes, you know, it's like you know, <laughs> and and paying almost full price for them. You know, I was like, that's what you'd pay for them if you bought them at the store. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and that's for your avatar, right? So, uh, you know, it's a, uh, and, and paying for that with, with coin, of course, is that's uh, a Bitcoin or whatever, but it's the only way to pay for it. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a whole new world. I'm not sure how it's going to play out. I, I personally think it's kind of crazy, but hey, um, yeah. you know. Well, I thought the wildest one, this was the first one I heard was Decentraland where people were buying land mm. and they were paying six sure. figures to to get to get land because they're like this is going to be the prime area yeah and so that that was very fascinating but it goes to show that there is definitely a market out there for these types of things yeah yeah and also i think we've seen this sort of bubble burst on some of the nft market at the same time right so people are a bit more cautious i think now than they were maybe a year ago um which i think is reflective of the whole market actually um 
everyone's a bit more cautious now than they were a year ago, right? So, uh, and and so uh, interesting, yeah, for sure. Well, that that's true. People are a lot more cautious, and I know it's funny, uh, but like I feel the meme stocks definitely taught everyone a lesson. Like, you know mm. that they whatever goes up must come down at some point, and it can come down very quickly. Sure. <laughs> a lot of people made a lot of money off that too, though. So, they they yeah, sure so, did. Yeah. Uh, now, before we wrap up, I would love to hear. I know you earlier you said you don't have a crystal ball, but mm. I feel you're quite accurate a lot of the time. So, what are you expecting for 2024? Well, um, I, I won't talk about the economy because I'm not sure where it's going to go. I mean, I, my my, my uh, you know, I read the papers like everyone else. It feels it feels like the the world thinks that there's going to be a soft landing for for North America, which is good. Seems like the U.S. is a bit ahead of Canada in terms of uh, uh, of how that market's going to turn. And uh, so, you know, I I, I would say we, most, like me, like most people, I think are expecting to see some interest rate decreases next year and uh, some relief on mortgage rates, which would be good for the financial services industry uh, and good for consumers, of course, as well, in a big way. Um, uh, you know, how that's going to play out in the markets, I'm not sure. So I wish I did. I'd, I'd buy the right thing then and, mm-hmm. uh, and make money. I don't think I always do. Um so, so, but, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's good news for the economy. I think it's good news for consumers. Um, for our business, you know, I see a real focus with our clients on, uh, smart operations right now. So, you know, we're definitely going and doubling down on that focus, which is how do we provide uh, a way for our clients to operate more effectively and, and reduce the cost of operating their business, but also become more efficient and deliver more value for the clients. Um, you know, having that uh, ability to operate in a digital world effectively is important, and uh, and it's still a missing link, I think, for some of our clients. There's a lot of hands and 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 and, and toes involved in the process, um, and and reducing the number of hands and toes uh, reduces the cost, but it also means that the data is more accurate, more efficient, um, and that. Uh, in the end, it's good for advisors and good for clients. Uh, absolutely. And I, I feel the reducing hands, uh, part of that is obviously always that you're going to retrain people to do different tasks. So oh. they won't just always be doing the same thing that they've done previously. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't see a big, I mean, we see it in the... Um, we see it in the in the unemployment rates as well. I don't think there's a big employment issue. Mm-hmm. Um uh, looming for, for people with smart operations. Uh, not at all. Quite the opposite. I think there's a, a lot of, a lot of focus on how do I use this as a way to grow my business and do more. And so, so, uh, I think that's a, that's a real positive, uh, aspect of what, what's happening in the market. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, freeing up that capital to invest is what we need. We need to see innovation in the market. We need investment. We need capital investment from our clients. Uh, and the, in- the industry as a whole needs to see capital investment happening in order to drive growth. So, um, that's how our clients are, uh, our end, end clients are going to end up getting value. So, uh, uh, absolutely. And I believe it was the logic. They released a stat, uh, few weeks ago that said that 50% of employees will need to be retrained over the next couple of years mm. as these new technologies are introduced. So mm. it's as with everything, it's just a learning curve and it's just a cycle that people need to get accustomed to because things change and uh, you have to keep up with it. For sure. Yeah, I think, I think that's absolutely true. I think, as I said, the world's changing. How it's going to play out, I don't think any of us know for sure. Um, but you're absolutely right. I think we, 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 we can be certain that there will be a requirement for us to update our operating models, update the way our employees work. And that means, yeah, new training regimes, new training programs, new ways of operating. And, and this is where I think firms like us come in, um, not only in providing tools that uh, allow our clients to, to implement those changes, but also the consulting, the business consulting to help them think about what's next for us and uh, how, how do we, how do we uh, best deliver uh, a value to our clients and grow our businesses. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Was there anything that I missed that you wanted to discuss today? Um, no, I, I, I didn't have a, I didn't have a, a, a closing topic or anything in mind. Um, uh, you know, we didn't talk much about institutional investing, and I think that's an important uh, aspect of, of what we're doing uh, these days. So maybe maybe I'll spend just a minute talking about what we're doing in that space, and and specifically around things like fund accounting um, and middle office activities. You know, to me, I think that's an important uh, thing for our clients. They're looking for uh, ways to to drive efficiency and uh, uh, to better uh, address some of the cobbled together platforms that they have, you know, so rationalized systems and some, it's an area of, of big investment for us as well. Um, and this is pension funds, this is asset managers, and this is uh, dealers as well. So we're seeing it across all of our client uh, areas. Um, that this is an important uh, part of uh, of uh, of change, so so it's an exciting area. I wouldn't mind, uh, I know, didn't mind uh, uh, taking a minute to think about. Um, you know, I'd say uh, uh, other than that, you know, wishing everyone a happy holidays is a is a, is another thing I'd like to like to uh, share. Yeah, of course. Well, mm. 2024 looks like it'll be a very bright and fun year. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you for coming in. And this thank was a you. very insightful conversation. Yeah, and thank you very much. And I wish everyone a uh, uh, happy and healthy 2024. Of course. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please be sure to share, like, and subscribe. And we'll catch you at the next one.